Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Uh, Tyler is running a little late, he has some family business to attend to. So he told me some Brewers news that he wanted me to pass along. So we're going to start this week's episode with some Brewers news. Um, then we're going to do some Packers coverage. Uh, we got some draft stuff we're going to talk about, so that should be fun. Really exciting, had a lot of fun working on those notes. And then we have some Bucks stuff we're going to wrap up. Obviously a great game last night. Very exciting ending. Giannis looked like the man again, but let's not too get far ahead of ourselves here. So, here's the Brewers news that I am scheduled to pass along right now. It sounds like uh, fan favorite Luis Urias is going to start on the injured list to start the season. I know it's going to be a long year, but that's kind of a big hit for us. Um... Jace Peterson, likely to start at third base for the Brewers, opening day. So that's exciting. Uh, the guy that just plays everywhere, pitchers, third base, shortstop, second base, first base, outfield. The guy does everything. Jace Peterson starting at third base. So he's obviously a championship-level player. So him starting at third base is awesome for us. We can just plug and play him anywhere. He's kind of like the Elton Jenkins of a Brewers team. You can just put Elton Jenkins wherever you want. Same thing with with Jace, he's going to produce no matter where he is. And then Corbin Burns, sideburns, um, the hair flow, everything. He's going to be the opening day starter for the Brewers. So that's definitely something to look forward to. Excited for that. He earned that. Um, he's the ace now. I mean, obviously he earned it last year. So something to look forward to on opening day. Opening day is a week from tomorrow, by the way, April 7th. So let's get ready for some Brewers baseball. That means warm weather is coming. Summer's coming. Uh, nothing but exciting um, news there. And the last bit of news, uh, we were talking about the lineup today. I don't know if anybody got a chance to watch uh, the Brewers today, but there was a lot of weird stuff. Um, Keston was back at second. Tyrone Taylor was leading off. Um, I brought up that uh, Hunter Renfro was starting at first base. So that's something that could, we could look forward to there as well. And the last bit of news I have is Jose Llorena is going to uh, be some depth in the bullpen. Uh, he is the 39th of the 40 players on the roster. So uh, we got that to look forward to. Got one more player we can add up uh, on the team and get ready for next Thursday, man. Um, looks like Tyler's going to be loading in here in a second. Uh, it's got through the Brewers news. The next bit we're doing is gonna we're going to be uh, talking some Packers football. I'm not even on my Packers section of my notes here. Um, but we're really just going to break down positions of need in the draft. Um, yeah, okay, there we go. So I had to fix that real quick. Um, we're going to break down positions of need, if they should draft them. And we're not going to get too in-depth with players. Uh, I wish I was going opening day, Josh. Um, I have off that day. I should actually look into tickets. That's not a bad idea. Um, but back to the Packers news here. We're going to be covering positions, offense, defense. We're going to be breaking down uh, what they should draft, what we should be looking for, if they should be depth pieces, if we're looking for starters. Uh, we're not going to get too in-depth with the players, but uh, definitely definitely was a tease. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, I am here. Hey, I am here. So... Um, yep, just, don't know just what, you've all, uh, what you've all what you've all said so said far, so but far. I am here. Yeah. Um, last bit of news before we really jump into this Packers stuff. Wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, Parker Johns. Um, really appreciate you guys being here with us. 
uh, sponsoring the show and uh, love that food. Go get some wings today. It's Wing Wednesday, Wisco Fanatic Wing Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. It has a nice ring to it in my opinion. So uh, thank you to Parker Johns. Uh, we, I went through all the Brewers news and I talked about what we're going to be doing for the Packers section there. Hey, Scott, I see you in the comments. Did you did you get your stickers? I sent them out. Um, and we're definitely going to be looking for more so than even just you've listed. So definitely going to have a lot of Packers stuff to talk about. Echo. Who's Echo? Am I echoing? Yeah, I can hear myself through your speaker. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, I know why. I was not prepared this week. Starting the show by myself. No headphones. We're doing this live, so we're going to figure it out. <laughs> I was charging the laptop before. It was dying on me. Okay. Woo. Hey, Scott. Appreciate you, my man. <laughs> All right. There we go. Oh, my God. It already picked up. Uh, what's up, Dan? Just up with the boy again last week. Huh? Oh, that's right. That's me. That's where I am. <laughs> all right so you already ran through the brewer's news i take it yes sir all right well jake and i talked about it and we decided that we're going to start with offense um scott said yes he got those stickers so good um we are going to start with actually you know what before we do this i want to do this right. so I've, I've seen this and I've responded to it. I don't know how many times, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm a little tired of hearing and seeing all of the complaining stemming to lack of action by the front office so far since the Devonte Adams trade. Yeah. And the big thing that I want to address is all of the people saying our front office does nothing. Our front office doesn't do anything. It's frankly, it's just not true, first of all. And the one that really kind of put me over over the edge on this particular thing was somebody saying that there is problems in our front office and you're delusional if you think otherwise. First of all, doesn't make somebody delusional just because they don't agree with your take, um, as long as it's an opinion. So if you're making an opinion just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't make you delusional. Secondly, the Packers front office has done quite a bit, actually. If I, I only went back to 2018, and since then, the Packers have hired a head coach, Matt LaFleur, who's done pretty well, I would say. They hired Joe Barry, who helped take our, our defense a major leap last year. They just hired and paid the highest-paid special teams coordinator there's you know jury's kind of out on that to see what the improvement is there they promoted adam stenovich to offensive coordinator after after nathaniel hackett took the denver broncos job they promoted adam stenovich to offensive coordinator which if you follow the show jake and i are a big fan of the move yeah that's just that's just coaching then you get into, they drafted Jair, they drafted Rashawn Gary, they drafted Darnell Savage, they drafted Elton Jenkins, they drafted A.J. Dillon, they drafted John Runyon, they drafted Eric Stokes. They signed the Smith brothers, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, two big parts of our defense revamping. They signed Adrian Amos, one of the better safeties in the NFC for the last four years. 
they brought in Devondre Campbell, a diamond in the rough, and they that one really paid off. They brought in Rasul Douglas midway through last year after Jair Alexander got hurt. That move paid off well. And then when those guys performed well, they retained those players. So quite frankly, the Packers front office doesn't do anything. It really just stems from a lack of patience. And I get it. It's hard to remain patient. Like, especially seeing, I understand this. And personally, I wouldn't want to be this organization. The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill and immediately signed MVS. That's that to me seemed a very reactionary move. And personally, I didn't like, I was okay with bringing MVS back, not for 10 million a year. Yeah. Now, I understand with Devontae being traded that you, you know, people want the Packers to immediately go trade for DK Metcalf or immediately go trade for Tyler Lockett or immediately sign Julio Jones. Personally, I would rather the Packers take a slow, calculated approach to risk, to cost, to potential reward, opposed to just making a move for the sake of making a move. And personally, what I think is going to be the case, and we're about to talk about the draft, is that the Packers might wait until the draft, until after the draft, to make moves as far as veterans are concerned. So, and Scott's saying it too, like we've always built through the draft, which, you know, as Gudikins is coming along, it's a little less the case. I mean, he's added some free agents more, way more often than Ted Thompson has, but but what I think might be the case, and you know, I'm just a podcast host, but the Packers might wait through the draft, see what they get in the draft, and then fill out the roster with veterans, whether by trade or by free agent signing. So if you're worried about the Packers not making any moves, like bottom line is you just got to be patient. The draft is a little over four weeks away. So just got to be patient. 100%. It's the bottom line. What did I tell you yesterday, man? Um, Yeah, first of all, I'm going to answer this. Seattle doesn't want to trade DK. We're not trading Jordan Love for DK straight up, okay? If I see that one more time, I think I'm literally going to check myself into an insane asylum. (laughs) Like, seriously, it's not happening. Um, We didn't pay Devontae, and now everybody wants us to try to trade for DK and then pay him next year. Dude. Devontae is the best in the league. Okay, it's not that we didn't want to. We were going to. But we're not going to pay DK 20-plus million a year. He does one thing. We didn't want to pay MVS. And he wanted 10 million. He does the same thing. DK is just bigger. and looks cooler with his shirt off. So the, the thing with DK that bothers me, too, is like everybody wants DK because, yeah, he's great for all but two weeks of the year. Yeah. Those two weeks that he's not good are against the Rams because Jalen Ramsey owns him. Yeah. And if we are the Packers, we are going to have to go through the Rams to get to the Super Bowl. Oh, 100%. So why would we want to go get a number one wide receiver that can be shut down by one of our main competitors? Okay. I'm just – people just need to relax on the wide receiver. Right? Mm-hmm. Just relax. There's, there's so many options out there. Yes, there's still trades out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if we're going to trade for somebody, it better be Tyler Lockett. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to end it right there. Or Brandon um, Cooks. Or, I mean, Brandon Cooks would be nice, too. Um, 
I mean, I like Tyler Lockett because I feel like he does a little bit more. I feel I like agree. he's more of a polished wide receiver, mm-hmm. where Lockett is still more just kind of a speed guy. But he's a good receiver. Um, and then drafting, right? We're going to draft one, okay? Yeah, we're gonna, at least we're one. We're going to draft a tight end. It's got to yeah. happen. It just mathematically, when you look at the roster over the next couple of years, and they're not just looking at this year, right? We're looking at, you know, two, three years down the road. We have to get a tight end in there, okay? Um, we have to get a, a tackle in there. We have to add D-line depth. We have to add all yep. offensive linebacker depth. There's things that we have to do, so people just need to relax. They're focusing on that one thing because we got rid of Devontae. And, yes, losing Devontae is going to be tough. But if we do it by committee, we can definitely overcome this issue. Yes, that is an Aaron relax. It's R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Yeah. Be patient. Calm down, man. And, and the, you know, I love all the comments of people like, ooh, do they start next week? Like, dude, they don't. We have so much time in between what's going to happen. And if you really listen to Matt LaFleur talk yesterday, he kind of referred to that. He's like, there's so many, uh, you know, unpredictable things that kind of happen and come out of nowhere. Did we think Devondre Campbell was going to be a first-team All-Pro? Hell no. I was like, if he could be consistent – and, you know, sure up, hey, my dad says hi for Vegas. My dad went to Vegas today. Um, Must be nice. Yeah, right? Um, if if we can, you know, we wanted him to sure up that middle linebacker. You know, did we think Rasul Douglas was going to come in and get five interceptions, have back-to-back weeks of pick sixes? No, we did not think that. The guy was stuck on a practice squad. There's things that happen that we're not sure is going to happen. Maybe, you know, and I've been saying this, and I'm, I sound crazy for this, but what if Amari Rodgers all of a sudden develops into a nice-looking young receiver? Who knows? Who knows? All of a sudden, he becomes a gadget player. We do, you know, sweeps to him. We do little wide receiver screens to him. He's running some slant routes. He's going deep. We don't know what's going to happen with Amari Rodgers. And, yes, he wasn't that great last year. Devontae wasn't very good his second season. Led the league in drop percentage. Led the league in drops. All of a sudden, he turned into the best receiver in the league. There's things that can happen, man. Just be patient. All right. So, you've kind of teased... What's up, Taylor? We've kind of teased already some of the positions that we're looking at. So Jake and I agreed that we're going to start with offense. So let's let's start with offense. Do you want to start? Let's start. Let's go from the inside out. So let's start right away in the middle. Let's talk about the center position. Uh, there are several reasons I think the Packers should target a center. Jake, what do you think about the center position? And then I will add on if there's anything left to say. Um, so center position. So obviously we had Josh Myers, who we drafted last year. Yep. And he was he was good when he was in. I mean, yep. he played he played the first six weeks, if I remember correctly, and then he yep. missed all the way until the lab, like week eighteen. Um, but he was a good player. He was young, good player. He looked the part, and then he was injured. And now we lost Lucas Patrick. He went to the Bears. Mm-hmm. And he said some things that I'm kind of not very much of a fan of. Um, but. I think that this is definitely something that needs to happen in the later rounds, get some more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, once we get into guards, I have a reason for why we should draft the center too. So I think that this is definitely a position where we need to add some depth. Yeah, and you yeah, you mentioned basically the, the main things were Lucas Patrick gone was the backup center, and he was important because Myers was injured. Um, I love the Josh Myers pick. I think he's – He's the center of the future for the Packers. We'll be totally fine there, but you still want to have that depth. And originally, Jake and I were kind of just talking about center and tackle, and I said, hey, we might as well throw guard in there because the Packers are always drafting O-line depth. And there's a reason for that. 
And um, let's talk about the guard position. I want to say thank you to Taylor because he's being nice to us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna even show that one on there. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So guard, yeah, guard. Uh, obviously, our all every position player for the ACL last year that really sucked. Kind of kind of took the wind out of the sails for a second there because we also had Bakhtiari also coming back from you know ACL injury. Uh, but Jenkins, his contract's up after this year as well. So uh, we have Runyon. Uh, we got a really nice piece last year in Royce Newman, I thought. I think Newman was coming along. He was improving every week. Yeah, he made some rookie mistakes, but he was a late-round draft pick. I don't even remember yep. if he was fifth or sixth round. But um, Royce Newman, he looks like a guy that can really just blossom into that starting right guard role. Him and uh, Runyon could really compete for that once Jenkins comes back if he's good. Runyon but, was great last year. Yeah, he was. I mean – and I was high on Runyon when we drafted him because he yeah. grew up in an NFL locker room. So yep. he understands the yep. day-to-day life, how to prepare, yep. how to eat, you know, your mental state. Like, he understands all of that coming in as a rookie. So he had to step up, I thought. Yep. Uh, but he just – I mean, he's just not as big as his dad. Um, but I think guard, I think that's another position. The Packers always love depth on the offensive line. So you can always guarantee they're going to draft one or two, maybe three guys. You're just like, I have no idea about this guy, but he's probably going to play and he's going to end up being good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can throw um, – Scott was mentioning one of the practice squad guys. I think the guy you might be referring to is Ben Braden. Yeah, um, he had going. some really spotty playing time last year. Um, but he'll you know, he'll get his chance in, in, um, in training camp in the preseason and stuff. And then you know the Packers will kind of iron out what they're going to do as far as the offensive line is concerned. Which brings us to the last offensive line position, which is tackle. This is my biggest thing, and I'm glad it happened this way because the Packers could have saved a little bit more money by um, retaining Billy Turner, but they decided to cut him outright. And personally, I felt this was the right move because Billy Turner struggled in back-to-back playoff games. Um, Pat, to your point about drafting multiversal linemen, that's another reason we felt the need to just throw the guard position in there. Mm-hmm. is because, you know, Matt LaFleur with his offensive line and Adam Stenovich, the way they run the offensive line, it reminds me of the way that Craig Council runs the Brewers, that he wants basically everybody to be able to play multiple positions. Joe Barry echoes the same thing with the defense. He wants guys to be able to do multiple things. So with that, <clears throat> um, and Scott, we, were, we mentioned this before when we were doing our public service announcement, the O-line coach, which was Adam Stenovich, is now the offensive coordinator. So the need for offensive line depth is still going to be at the forefront of that war room. They're still going to be talking about offensive line depth throughout the draft. Um, Whatever it comes to, um, Gutekunst is usually a best player available type drafter. So if the best player available is a guard, he's not going to be like, hey, you know, we're looking for a tight end. We're going to reach and grab a tight end. No, he's going to take the guard because he's the best player available. So um, tackle. Back to tackle. Um, we're going to need a, a right tackle. That's yeah. That's the way it is. Um, I don't think Dennis Kelly has signed anywhere. I didn't check before we started, but um, he played a lot of games at right tackle last year. Billy Turner has played a lot of games at right tackle the past couple of years. And basically our other most versatile offensive lineman is Elton Jenkins. So he's really not an option. So the Packers are going to need to make a move at right tackle. Um, left tackle is going to be Bakhtiari. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he's basically good to go. So, um, or he's going to be good to go by the time the season starts. So basically right tackle is, is the main offensive line position. 
that's really the only position on the offensive line I can see the Packers spending a pick in the first four rounds. Um, as far as tackle goes, obviously we know when we have uh, David back, he's the best in the league. Plain and simple, I'm not even being a homer. It's just no one around the league, right? Yeah, like, it's, he's yep. good. Yep. Like you throw him over there, no help needed. Rodgers is good, right? Yep. Um, as far as right tackle goes, um, no, Nyman's going to start the year at, at left tackle if, if Bakhtiari is good to go. I don't know how, how much he could play right tackle. But as far as biggest needs on this team, I have tackle as our second biggest need going into this draft because I've talked about it with Tyler plenty of times. I would love for us because we're going to still be pinching pennies, you know, a few years from now. Even yep. though the money's going up, we're going to be paying players more money. Um, I think having a cheap, good right tackle is the way to go. We yep. we have to just hit on these draft picks. And, yes, I definitely think if there's a player there, I would spend a first-rounder on the guy. You know, yep. if, if one of our one of our guys on our big board, and Goot's big board, falls to that yep. 22 or 28 range and we don't have a wide receiver that we like, yep. get the right tackle. I'm absolutely okay with that. Yep. A lot of fans are like, you know, and this is going to happen. I'll book it. If we don't get a tackle, if we don't get a wide receiver at 22, right, and we yep. draft an offensive tackle, I guarantee everybody goes crazy, bro. But Dude, I'm gonna we, I'm going to be there like, let's go, gonna, baby. We are. We agreed. We're going to live stream during the first round. So Jake yes. and I are going to go live during the yes. first round of the NFL draft. So if you want, like, you can hang out with us during the NFL draft uh, for the first round at least. We'll go through it. Like we'll we'll discuss it. If the Packers yes. draft a tackle and people are freaking out, you can come to us. We'll be the voice of reason. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would four, love the right tackle, man. Four oh. picks in the first two rounds would not shock me at all if one of them is a tackle. Not even a little bit. Nope. Not even a little bit. All right, so let's keep moving out. All right. So you want me to go tight end, or you want? To yeah, let's go to tight end. end. All right. That's, ne- so that's tight, next. Tight end. Here's how. I, here's how I graded it. Big dog. He's 37. He's not getting any younger. I love yep. Big Dog. Don't get me wrong. He's a fan favorite. He's a great, humble guy. But I'm just speaking football here, right? He's going to be a player coach this year, basically. Oh, 100%. Um, Tanyan coming off a ACL injury. The guy's maybe going to play a half a season. And if he balls out in a half a season, he's going to be too expensive to stay in Green Bay. Yep. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry. I do not trust Aguara. Me and Tyler yep. are 100% on the same wavelength with that opinion. And then you get to yourself to Daphne. Daphne's nothing special. He's a good third tight end. He's not a starter. He's not a star. He's just a good player. He's just I really like guy. Dominique Daphne, but unfortunately, he's not a he's not a number one tight end. Agreed, hundred percent. So I think tight end is is an area that is a need in this draft. Yep. And when you're a top team and you're competing every year, you have to kind of look a little deeper for your needs. And tight end is definitely one of those positions. I would love a guy that could take the top off defense. Love a guy that could command the middle. Look at what Kelsey does for KC, man. He literally makes the defense come like this, and then Tyreek Hill was going over the top. That's exactly what MVS is going to get. He's getting one-on-ones all day over there. George Kittle does the same thing. Yeah, and they just command the middle. They demand the respect of a a safety and a linebacker all day long. So if Rodgers had a guy like that, that would be amazing. We haven't had a really good top-tier tight end since Drew Michael Finley, and I will die on that hill. I will. Okay. I mean, I would say – I would say 2020 Tunyon, but that was a really that's a really small sample size. Um, so the other thing with tight end, you touched on this already, is you want to be drafting positions before you need them. That's how you stay good. You get good by drafting guys who are 
you know, projected to be good at their positions and they can grow into the role, but you stay good by drafting positions before you need them. So like Jake said, big dog, he could retire at any moment. He could retire before, before 2022 season starts. I mean, the league year already started, but I mean, he, he could decide that he's not going to come back for the 2022 season. And then we'd be left with Tunyon, DeGuara and Daphne and Tyler Davis. So my next point here is I am personally, like Jake already mentioned, not sold on DeGuara either. I think he's, you know, he's, he's going to have some opportunity. Um, Tunyon is ahead of schedule on his recovery, but he's still, he's not going to be ready day one. That's, that's that. Now, the other thing is this draft is very deep for tight ends. Interesting. Um, the Packers have met with two, um, they met with Daniel Bellinger and, and um, Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M. Personally, not my my favorite guy, but um, tight end. This this is a deep draft for tight ends. Personally, I've seen a couple people say in the comments that they want the tight end from um, Ohio State. Um, his name, I have it in here. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Ohio State mind. always puts a tight end I I don't want the tight end from Ohio State, actually. Um, <laughs> his name is Jeremy Ruckert. So you look at the, the first round, how many wide receivers from Ohio State are going to go in the first round? Two. Two. If you watch Jeremy Ruckert's highlights, he is wide open almost every single highlight play of his that you watch. And he's not overly speedy. He's not mossing anybody. Um, I haven't watched videos to to see how good of a blocker he is. But to me, from what I've seen compared to what I've seen from some other guys, he benefits a lot by having other really talented wide receivers on the field that draw so much attention. So me personally, um, we teased some guys that we were interested in looking at when we had Andy Herman on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, guys like Isaiah Likely and Greg Dulcich, Jake likes Weidermeyer. This draft's super deep for tight ends. Jake and I are both okay if the Packers wait until the, the fifth round or maybe even the late fourth with their compensatory pick and grab Jake Ferguson. Oh, that would be awesome. So He's tons. He's a blocker and he can run, dude. Tons of options there. Hey, great hands, yep. So tons of options at the tight end position, which going to the outside – Let's talk about it. It's the one that everybody's concerned about. Let's talk about wide receiver. Uh, all right. Well, obviously, the Packers have one of the thinnest groups. And, you know, when you look on paper right now, the Packers mm-hmm. are one of the thinnest wide receiver rooms. Okay. Right. Real quick, league. Packers aren't standing pat at wide receiver. Let's let's no, get no, that no, out of the way. Absolutely. Stop doing the – we only – we're going into the year with Lazard and Cobb and a bunch of practice squad guys. Like, they're going to make moves. and People just got to be fucking patient. Right. So, the Packers are going to draft one or two. I, I, I'm personally – At least. I'm not going into this draft thinking that they're going to draft two. For some reason, I just have a feeling like Packers are going to draft one and they're going to make a move with free agency. And then they're going to call it good. Uh, God. Uh. Tim, that's the last straw, buddy. <laughs> um, wow, I just sounded super white right there. But anyways, <laughs> um, the Packers, this is the biggest need. Obviously, this is not big news to anybody um we have four picks in the top 55 so we're yep. gonna go we're gonna go get a wide receiver 
Uh, they're going to package a trade. They're going to move up, get the guy that they want. Something is going to happen. But they're going to get one of the top wide receivers in this draft, whether it's a Drake London, um, Olave. Like there's, there's a lot of options out there. Um, Packers are going to draft one or two of them. They're going to make a move in free agency or trade. And we're going to be okay because we will still have a four-time MVP at quarterback. We'll and a fine. great running game. Yeah. I mean – we have such a good running game in this state that Braylon Allen and A.J. Dillon are going at each other on Twitter about who can squat the most weight. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw that, but go check that out. Yeah. Quad Sconson, that's what we're going to start calling it. So, mm-hmm. and wide receiver. Now, this is a position where if the best available player is a wide receiver, the Packers will draft them. Like, the yeah. first round, like, I get that people are going to say that the Packers haven't drafted a first-round wide receiver. The Packers could draft two wide receivers in the first round. Scott just said exactly what I think is very possible is drafting Olave at 22 and then drafting Traylon Burks at 28. I could absolutely 100% see that happening. Um, With that, it could also be a tackle. It could be – very well could be a tackle. Um, Tackle and wide receiver, personally, are the only two positions I really see the Packers targeting heavily. Um, Jamison Williams, he's, he's coming off an injury. Personally, if we're, we're looking at the wide receiver position, the only way I see the Packers drafting Jamison Williams is if he somehow falls into the second round in the Packers trade up. Dude, he, he posted a video, I think it was today or yesterday of him moving around. He looked pretty good. Man. I'm not lie. I know it's just a video and it's not, he's not taking contact or cutting or anything like that, but that's the guy I want to be honest. He's the by far the best wide receiver in the draft. Not even close. So looking at wide receiver, um, my favorite wide receiver in the draft, Taylor asked the question is, who do we trade to trade up for a wide receiver? Um, Basically what I would say as far as trading up for a wide receiver is concerned is um, if this is the guy that I want would be um, Garrett Wilson from Ohio state. If the Falcons don't pick him at eight and he falls to somewhere around 10, then I can see Gutekunst getting on the phone and start calling people to see if, if he can get up into the, you know, the nine, 10, 11, 12 area and see if he can make a run at Garrett Wilson. Um, Personally, he's the guy that I would look to trade up for in this draft. Um, And, and Jake and I, these, these positions that Jake and I are discussing, these are the positions that we are going to deep dive in for our draft special, um, you know, and, and do our positions that we get all, um, you know, really heavily researched into. Um, so now that we're done with offense, that being said, Jake and I are not going to deep dive on running back. We are not going to deep dive on quarterback. No need. So we're not. Yeah. Um, Jake and I are a Wisconsin sports show. We're not a, a draft sports show. So we're going to focus on the Packers' needs, and and that's what we're going to do. And we'll do the research on it, and we'll get you know tons of sources, and we'll watch highlights and read and, and take in as many sources as we can and and really put this together and try to give as, as educated of as an opinion as we can as far as draft is concerned. And when – you know, when Jake and I do mock drafts, which we will, um, you know, we can post them if, if people want to see them and we can kind of talk about them and stuff. But the important thing to remember with mock drafts is that not a single one of them is going to be right. 
100%. When you when it comes to draft day, there will be trades, there will be picks traded, players traded. Um, you know, maybe a team reaches for a guy that you know, Chicago Bears have never reached for anybody or you know, the Lions have never made a bad draft pick, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's none of the draft the mock drafts are ever going to be 100% accurate. No. That said, Jake and I this is one of our favorite things about doing the show is is draft yeah. season. So so we're going to do our best to take in as much information as we can and and try to give as educated of an opinion as we can on drafting. I'll tell you this. I got two magazines <clears throat> and I have a website that I use. And I feel like after I read both these magazines, I'm going to be just as good as Mel Kiper Jr. Because that guy sucks. <laughs> I don't care what anybody <clears throat> My favorite draft thing is if you have a subscription to The Athletic, is keep an eye out for Dane Brugler. Uh, he writes a complete report. It's like 300 pages long. That is insane. He goes through basically just about every player that's entered the draft and and gives a few paragraphs about literally all of them. So that's that's my go-to. And then from there, I watch a lot of highlights and I and I read other stuff um, from, from lots of analysts because, you know, these guys do their research too. What Jake and I do, and this is what we do for the regular part of the show in addition to the drafting, <clears throat> is we try to take as many sources as we can and put them all into one place for you so that you don't have to do that. So you can just come to Jake and I, and Jake and I will do it for you. So, Scott's getting into... We both, we want Leo Chanel as well, buddy. He's yes, we do. Good, man. 6'2", 260, he ran 4'5". Yeah, imagine 260 coming at you at 20 miles per hour. It's going to freaking hurt. <laughs> and he's got linebacker, inside linebacker instincts already. That's the main yep. part for me. And he he's already used to playing in Wisconsin in the cold. Yep, he knows how to diagnose runs. He knows how to kill that shit. He knows how to get under the lineman. He was in the big, rough, and tough, you know, Big Ten, man. When you're when you're a speed position player, you go to the SEC. Plain and simple. Sorry, that's yep. how it is. Unless you're going to Ohio State. That's the one team that gets all the athletes. But the big boys, the linemen, the linebackers, the big thumpers, the tight ends, that's Running Big backs. Ten country. That's Big Ten. So you got a linebacker that's good in the Big Ten, he's probably going to be pretty good in the NFL. Look at Michael Penn Parker. State. Penn State puts a bunch yeah. of linebackers in the NFL as well. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely love Leo Chanel next to, you know, Devontae Campbell. I think they would absolutely wreck some shit up the middle, dude. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> let's, let's go on defense. Let's start. Let's do inside out again. And let's start on the D-line. So let's do this. Oof, he just went crazy. Okay, so D-line here. Oh, God, let's get refocused here. Scott's got me going crazy. Scott, please. We got <laughs> to wait till the draft special, my man. Um, so here's the D-line. Here's what I thought. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm wrong either. But Kenny Clark, stud, plain and simple. The guy's a monster. He demands a double team. Uh, TJ Slayton, that guy has a really, really high ceiling because he's just so big and he's got good hands and he's pretty quick for a guy his size. So I think that he can develop into something nice, but he's stuck behind Kenny Clark. He's primarily a defensive tackle, but that's a nice duel that we have there. Uh, we just signed Darren Reed. Um, <clears throat> played for Seattle. He played last year for Kansas City. Kansas City's defense took a big step up last year, and he was one of the reasons, you know, because he was pretty good on that D-line. They stopped the run very well over there in Kansas City. And then we got Dean. Dean Lowry was a pretty good player for us last year, definitely improved. Uh, he batted down a lot of balls. He was actually making some plays against the run and the pass. Um, he showed up last year. And yep. then after that, it's Jack Heflin. And we don't know what Jack Heflin is. He's got to give effort. That's what I know. And 100%. 
Jack um, Jack Eflin is made of a hundred percent effort. That's just what his body is made out of. If I had a penny, I'm just gonna go with a penny for every time that I've said that the Packers need to draft a D lineman for the last four years. I guarantee I could retire tomorrow because I've been saying it exhaustingly. Please draft a defensive lineman, please. That's what I'm gonna say. <clears throat> what I've said for a couple of years is that Lowry is a serviceable defensive end. That's that's mm-hmm. been my stance is that Lowry is a serviceable defensive end. If you had somebody on the other side, Lowry's not going to let you down on his side. Lowry actually took a step forward last year. We we called him one of the most improved players on the team. Yeah. And he sh- he actually got to the quarterback a little bit too last year. So Lowry Lowry's basically entrenched as one starting defensive end. Uh, Jake already mentioned the additions that the Packers have made in addition to already having Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton. We're basically just looking for one more defensive end to take over for Tyler Lancaster, whether it's Jack Heflin, who's going to get a shot in training camp. The dude's got a motor that just does not quit. And that's what I love about him. And basically we're just looking for a guy that maybe to help us with some pass rush, just give us a little bit of pass rush off the defensive end position and don't get pancaked by opposing offensive lines. Um, Jake and I, we stop putting defensive linemen on hit coverage, please. I'm just yeah. going to say that because that's super annoying. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> Jake and I agreed on this too that um, Joe Barry is probably going to circulate guys through the offensive yeah. or through the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Kenny Clark lined up at defensive end at times. See Dean Lowry lined up at defensive tackle at times. And now they brought in Jaron Ree, who's another huge, big body guy, over 300 pounds. Um, you can put him at nose tackle or and put uh, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry on the outsides. Yeah. So you could do that. So um, <clears throat> looking at it, it's it's going to be kind of some rotating guys. Um, Taylor asked if we have any ideas who to draft on the D-line. We got some ideas. Jake and I, Jake and I have one specific guy that we both want, and then we're going to deep dive on the position. But Jake and I both really like Logan Hall. And why is that, Tyler? Because, like you're talking, you know, we can circulate guys playing with different positions. That is exactly what Logan Hall is. He's a guy that started his college career in the 240. He's now up over the 280s. He uses his hands well. He's quick. He's got good point of attack. I mean, he's everything that a Packers defensive end that we need. He would yep. be great. He would just plug right in production. Yep. yep. So yeah, that's Taylor. That's our that's our main target as far as defensive end mm-hmm. is concerned. As far as an edge player, that's the guy that we're looking for. Um, let's, yeah, we'll we'll get more into that position as we start doing our draft research, which is going to be really really quick, like maybe tomorrow even. Um, yeah. But moving inside out. Let's go to inside linebacker. We kind of already teased it a little bit talking about Leo Chanel, but let's talk about inside linebacker and why we think that's a position of need. Yeah, I mean, obviously we got the you know, the pro bowler, the all-pro, Campbell. We signed him to a contract. Thank God we retained some of these good free agents we had. <clears throat> um, then we got Barnes, and there's not that I have a problem with Chris Barnes. He was our best linebacker two years ago, which was pretty sad as a rookie. And then he was – he had some really, really, really good games, man, like the Seattle game, Kansas City game, Minnesota Viking game. Like, he had some really, really solid, very good games. And there's not saying that he can't improve on that and stack on that. 
But he mm-hmm. also had some really bad games where I was like, have they called his name the entire day? And there was, I remember there was a play in the red zone. And uh, I don't remember who it was against. Uh, shame on me. But I remember him just standing still. I remember it too. I don't remember the game. The, t- the tight end ran right by him and was literally like a yard away from him. Right, was that the right Ravens him. game? It might have been. And he caught a touchdown right over his shoulder. And I was like, how did you, like, why are you even out there? I remember I remember having in my notes that Chris Barnes was literally just standing still, eyes in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's and like I said, there's not like I have a problem with Chris Barnes. He's a good player. Yep. Uh, but if, if we're going to be a top five defense and we're going to have, we're going to go into this, you know, this team that's going to transform into running and defense, you're going to need two dominant inside linebackers. That's just how 3-4 works. Mm-hmm. Um, behind him is not a lot of depth. Let's be honest, man. I mean, I don't even know who one of these people are. And I, I pride myself on knowing all the Packers, right? I mean, Ty Summers, we know who that is. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie. We drafted Isaiah McDuffie, yep. And, and then and Ray looking at Okay. I mean, you could you could throw Tipa Naliai in there, but he's more of an outside linebacker. Yeah, he he was he's listed as an outside linebacker. Then. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for no other reason other than depth, we need to go yep. get an inside linebacker. That's exactly what I have written down is that you and I agree that some reliable depth is next yep. to Campbell is necessary. Um, I agree. You know, even if Barnes is solid at middle linebacker this year, you still don't want him playing 95% of snaps. I agree. So Jake and I are fine with both of the guys from Wisconsin, similar to what Scott was saying in the comments. Um, definitely okay with either guy from Wisconsin, um, wherever they may fall. Sanborn might turn into a good player, man. He's not, he doesn't have the speed that Chanel has, but yep. he definitely <clears throat> is a guy that isn't afraid to mix it up and go knocking your teeth. And, so. and he's fundamental. You know, he doesn't need to learn yeah. how to tackle or, or, you know, how to diagnose a run game or anything like that. So, <clears throat> Moving inside out again, we're going to go to outside linebacker. This is one, if the Packers don't make a move in free agency, there's been a little bit of rumors that Whitney Merciless and the Packers are interested in a reunion. It just hasn't come to fruition yet. So if that doesn't happen, uh, Jake and I are going to look at outside linebacker as a position, another position for depth. Um, as you know, When it comes to pass rushers, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, um, Rashawn Gary needs a little bit of work in the run game, in my opinion. I think he got better as the year went on. And Preston Smith, Jake and I agreed, um, is the more complete linebacker between him and Zadarius. Um, we agreed Zadarius is a better pass rusher than Preston Smith. But Preston Smith is still a pretty good uh, pass rusher. And Preston Smith is much better against the run than Zadarius. That being said, you want your pass rushers to stay fresh. You want them to have, you know, 100% of their lungs in every play. You want them to be able to maximize their abilities as as often as humanly possible. And with that, you need to be able to give them a couple plays of rest here and there. So we're going to need some depth behind Rashawn, Gary, and Preston Smith. And that's basically what Jake and I are looking at at outside linebacker. 100%. Uh, what I have written down is that Preston and Gary are both complete linebackers. They stop the run. They set the edge. And they can go get after the quarterback when need be. Obviously, we saw Rashawn Gary blossom into one of the best pressure players in the league last year. I believe he was either third or tied for third, but like 93 pressures last year. Um, but, you know, like you said, depth is really the <clears> only <throat> concern for me. Would be nice to, you know, maybe get a guy in the third round, maybe even late second if we find a guy that we really like. And we're going to rotate them enough 
So he's going to get enough playing time, going to get enough snaps. He's going to be an impact player. Look at Gary, his rookie year. He came in, he got plenty of snaps, even though we had both the Smith brothers, you know? So yep. um, definitely something that, to look for. I would say that they'll definitely draft an outside linebacker for an outside linebacker before an inside linebacker, in my opinion. I think they would. Yeah. I, I think <clears throat> looking at it, like I trust Chris Barnes more than, than say, Tipa Naliai or Garvin. Isaiah McDuffie or okay. Garvin right. at outside linebacker. Agreed. Um, even if they do draft one, I could still see bringing back Whitney Merciless just for depth. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right. So the last position that Jake and I are looking at um, on the Packers for defense is safety. So we are looking at safety for a couple very specific reasons. Um, Jake, which, what are you, you know, what are you, the reasons that you think the Packers should look at safety for? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to start this out by saying I'm not giving up on Darnell Savage. The guy's only 24 nope. years old. So yep. for everybody that's in there being like, oh, Savage sucks, Savage sucks. He had a down year. Yes, he had a down year. You're allowed to have a down year. It's okay. Um, he's only 24, people. So give it time. Let, it, let, him, let him progress. You know, maybe there was some verbiage in there last year that he didn't understand or, you know, just timing. You know, there's things that First happen. year with a new coordinator. Yeah, exactly. So, Darnell Savage, his contract is up after next year. Same with Adrian Amos. Amos is 28. Coming into a contract year, he was awesome last year. He's been awesome since he came over. He's one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL. I agree. Safety, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, just for that reason, we lost Henry Black. That was a guy that took a lot of snaps at safety for us. Yep. And after that, it gets kind of dark. So... It would be nice to maybe get an impact guy, maybe a, uh, just a true center fielder guy. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And Tyler really, really has a guy that he really likes at the same mm-hmm. position. So yes, I do. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for your in-depth analysis on that. So for me, looking at the safety position, you already mentioned Henry Black. That basically leaves Vernon Scott as the only backup safety on the roster. So in addition to every position we've talked about so far on defense, Packers are gonna be looking for depth at safety. Mm-hmm. Now, Jake mentioned Adrian Amos is a free agent after next year. And Darnell Savage could potentially be a free agent after 2022. Uh, he has a he has a team option after 2022. It's a little under $8 million. So the Packers could decide not to retain Darnell Savage after next year. And then Adrian Amos is also potentially a free agent. So looking at that, Safety is basically, in my opinion, the parallel of where the Packers are at tight end. They have some guys that that can stick around, and you could be okay, but you also want to grab grab one before you need one. Um, Jake kind of teased it already. The guy that I really like is Jalen Peter from Baylor. Um, the dude's kind of like a safety linebacker hybrid. He's he's got some ball skills and he can lay the thump too. Um Joe Barry talks about liking his guys that can be able to do multiple things, play multiple positions. The Packers do that with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage a little bit. They'll bring in, they'll have three safeties and let one of them kind of cheat up in the linebacker area. So grabbing versatile defenders is going to be something that's high priority on Joe Barry's list. And Jalen Peter is definitely one of those guys that would be multi-versatile. I like that. I like your, I like your comparison there with tight end. That was smart. Like that. I mean, I do smart stuff sometimes. You do. You do quite a bit, actually. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, I read enough stuff, so I should have Nelson. I should have some smart stuff to be said once in a while. Dude, I didn't think Scott Nelson was going to be that fast. He looked slower in molasses in a lot of games. <laughs> I was like, how's this guy getting ran by every time? Is he running a five-second 40 at safety? Jeez. I I was shocked. I was like, there's no freaking way this man ran. Hey, he, he can like hit, too. He, like he ran. He was fast. Three. I don't remember exactly what he ran, but um, I watching him at Wisconsin, we know Scott Nelson can hit, too. Yeah. I said it actually during a couple times during the Badgers like season last year. It seemed like he wanted to play a linebacker more than safety. He got burned over the top a couple times. Bro, he plays so skittish every once in a while when people get over the top. Of him. Right, yeah, but he, he wants to hit. So, I mean, I would welcome that. All right, man. So, there it is. Those are the positions that Jake and I are going to deep dive on the draft. Jake, and like I said, Jake and I are going to take in as basically as many sources as we possibly can to to draw our analysis um for this the draft prep and the draft special that we do um we're still trying to nail down a date for um doing a live show at the keel parker johns but jake and i are going to do a a a draft special where all we do is mock drafts and talk about um the guys coming into the league that's going to be it for that show um that's going to be on its own separate um that being said, these positions, wide receiver, tight end, tackle, center, guard, and then on defense, edge, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, safety, those are going to be all the positions that we dive into. Um, and, you know, when Jake and I talk about guys, a lot of guys on here that are going to be looking for depth, those are guys that are going to end up being special teams players if they're not starters. Um, so when we talk about linebacker depth and safety depth, those are going to be guys that are special teamers. Um, as far as specialists, like a punter, kicker long snapper um return specialist um punter they signed one already um i, I think they'll probably just roll with um O'Donnell. i think it's o- o- o'donnell yeah, yeah. um and then kicker it's sounds like mason crosby's sticking around and then there's it's two crosby on the practice says, squad it's crosby until he says he's gone but yeah that's the- um and then there's two kickers on the practice squad, actually. So I don't think they're going to draft any legs for that. Um, as far as long snappers, like maybe. No, this guy. I I actually looked into the long snapper contract. He's under contract for the next two years, I believe, and he's really, really cheap. So I think that's literally the reason why they got rid of our long snapper. Um, a little cheaper. And uh, yeah, and that's that's just one of those things where hopefully camp could be um beneficial uh taylor to answer your question why we got rid of the punter he was a free agent that was that's basically it he was a free agent yeah i mean he was pretty good he would he had a, he was pretty good he would have like a 65 yard and a 70 yard punt and then every once in a while he'd have like a 37 yard punt and it was like good but that could also be coached could also be weather related um punting is a hard thing to do it really is like it's yeah it doesn't seem like it but it's you know it's tough i agree and and long snapping and holding that's something that hopefully is ironed out before we even get to the preseason apparently Um, pat o'donnell is one of the best holders on field goals in the league that's what i read in one of my on on a packers website i I read that that he's like he's like exceptional at holding field goals 
And he's got a solid, he's got a solid average too. O'Donnell does. He averages a little over 46 yards a punt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound crazy, but you know, and I'm not worried about hang time. If he's putting the ball on the sidelines at 46 yards a punt, like I'm not terribly concerned about hang time. If guys aren't returning the punts anyways, if Basachi has got the gunners in shape to get down there, like I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about it until there's reason to be concerned about it. <clears throat> so that's got my back. He saw it too, baby. No <laughs> um, as far as, as far as actually special teams is concerned, um, I think the Packers are going to be far better off this season than they were last year. Cause Maurice Drayton was, you know, I, I understand wanting to make an in-house hire, but in my eyes, Drayton was not ready to be a coordinator. Um, what you're getting with Basaccia is experience, not only as a special teams coordinator, but he was head coach for half of last season. I saw a and quote on him too, actually. He's he's got respect from players. Mm-hmm. Packers brought in a cornerback last um, last week that was a primarily a special teamer. He came from the Raiders. Basaccia came from the Raiders. It's not an accident that that guy is here as a special team specialist following the guy that we got from the Raiders to a coach special teams. Agreed. Not a coincidence. Um, the quote I saw actually uh, said that he's a great leader, one of the one of the better leaders that you know the stead player uh, said he's ever been around, and that he's a little bit of an asshole, and that's okay. Because you know who you know who we heard about. Do you know who we heard that about? Maybe almost a year ago from today. Who's that? Joe Barry. Bro, and we saw it firsthand, bro. He we did not. He was taking no shit. No shit, bro. He said, get your ass moving. You have 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be all he right was, on defense. He's dropping F-bombs in practice. It's like, this guy's he's on it. Yeah. But what, what people say about him in the locker room is that he loves his players. He actually, you can tell that he cares about his players. Bisaccia sounds like a guy cut from the same cloth. They do. Steve said that Steve's saying the same thing. The players trust Rich. That's see, you and, know, and Taylor said rather have a hard ass and a softy. That's you're getting kind of both, the best of both worlds. You're getting a guy who's gonna be hard on you because he cares about you, because he wants the best that he can get from you to benefit you, to benefit the team, to benefit the organization, to benefit the fan base by extension, to help win football games. So it's it's it really feels like Pasaccia, like I said cut from the same cloth as Joe Barry of a guy that can be fiery and, you know, get on you and then you get to the locker room and he actually cares about you. Not saying that other coaches don't, but it can make you feel cared and like appreciated. You know, we are called title town, right? That's what green Bay is called. We're trying to bring this motherfucker back home. I'm sorry. I got to say it, bro. I'm feeling it right now. Like, we're trying to bring this motherfucker back home, okay? Let's bring it home, okay? I'm so sick and tired of special teams lapses and defensive lapses, and then Aaron doesn't get the ball in over. Uh, they changed that rule, so Aaron's gonna get the ball in overtime no matter what. So yeah. let's just let's just clean up this special teams garbage. Let's clean up this defensive lapse garbage. Last year we were good enough on defense. Then it was the it was the special teams that let us down, and if it's not the special teams, then it's the defense, and it just flip flops, and then Aaron's legacy just is ruined. And us fans, we spend all the hours preparing for the games, talking about the games, buying the merchandise, and we get let down again. 
All right, it's time to go, okay? We're going to draft well. We're going to get some wide receivers in here. We're going to fix special teams. We're bringing them motherfucker back home, okay? And then before that, the Bucks are going to bring it back home again. We're keeping that thing here. And oh, I'm so ready to talk about Bucks, dude. <laughs> I'm so ready to shit on Embiid. Worse than Yannick. <laughs> the I'm last ready. thing that I want to say about the Packers, too, is the other problem that was in the Packers was, you know, and we, we agree yeah. that Rodgers is not immune to criticism is – we saw the hyper-targeting of Devontae Adams. We did. What the trade of Devontae Adams does is it opens up a huge world of opportunity at the wide receiver position. I Seriously, I cannot stress enough not making a move for the sake of making a move, but being patient, making the right moves and the right combination of moves not just doing something to be reactionary. I'm going to look into that guy, Steve. I'm going to look into him. I want to see what he's got. He's made a couple comments about him. All right. Interested. San Diego State is a record-sending punter, and he kicks field goals at a pretty high rate. Okay. Uh, hey, I mean, we'll throw him in the notes. We'll see. Uh, nothing is out, is out of the realm of discussion or realm of possibility. I mean, this is the NFL draft, people. And the way this offseason went, I have no idea what to expect. And talking about the draft, by the way, I want to know how everybody feels. Um, You want to borrow my pen? Yeah, give me your pen. I don't know where mine went. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, how does everybody feel about Green Bay not getting the, the draft in 2024 over Detroit? And this comes days after they gave Detroit hard knocks. It's almost like the NFL like wants Detroit to be good. Oh, they, because... they want Detroit to be a thing because Dan Campbell grabs some headlines by the biting the kneecaps quote. So they're like, oh, people are actually talking about Detroit. We have a chance to make this team not shitty. Uh-huh. Like, come on. We all know that they're going to do the lion thing. They're going to they're gonna be shit. It is horse shit, Steve. Got, um, I was Too many Steve's S's in the comments today. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was reading Steve Scott. My fault. Um, it is bullshit. I live. I actually live in Nina, so I'm pretty close to Green Bay. And I was like trying to mentally prepare myself, like, oh man, in in a couple of years, dude, like this place could be going crazy. I could be talking to strangers from all over the country. Like, I was dude, that would be awesome. That. I was so excited about that, man. Like when I mean, uh, I don't even went to Sheboygan that one time. Yeah, I. I disagree with the lack of hotel space. They put up a brand new hotel right next to Lambo. Yeah, they did. That's Dude, part of the so the Lambo the Lambo town that they got over there. It's called like I think it actually is called Title Town. I think that's what. I mean, that could be. Um, it's it's basically like the Deer District as is, is in in uh, Milwaukee. They're trying to do something similar at um. American Family Field. They're trying to set up a district over there too to try to get some people um, in that area during the off season and just you know have more to do in that area. Um, so they're trying to um, trying to keep that atmosphere of you know there's places to be when you're not inside the arena. Um, I mean that's why so, we got all the money from the shares, right? It's to develop stuff for the fans. So. Yep. Let's put up some more ho- more freaking hotels, man. Let's yeah. put up some shit. Let's let's make it, you know, so that they bring the draft here. I would love that. That would be amazing. I mean, we would probably try to go, honestly. Like, we love the draft prep season so much. Like, 
Bro, you literally could just crash in my place. It's a freaking 40-minute drive up to Green Bay. Well, that would be a great day. It only takes me 45 minutes to get there from here now that the speed limit is 70 on I-43. So yeah, it doesn't even take me that long to get there. You, you got to take into account all those people. You're talking over 200K people, baby. You got to get on the road early. Oh, I'll be there first. I'll be there first. I know Getting you autographs. Know. Getting semi Fajoko's autograph and then just have my heart ripped out by him getting drafted by the Cowboys. Yeah, really, the Cowboys. Like, you could have went to, like, other teams. Like, there's, like, four teams you can't go to, yep. and I have to hit. Yep. Yeah, Jake and I basically, like, we fell in love with this, like, sixth-round wide receiver, Simi Fajoko from Stanford. Mm-hmm. I were like, every draft he fell to the Packers, like, the late sixth round. And then he got drafted by the Cowboys, and it's like, come on! <laughs> like, literally any other team, except for, like, the Bears, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. Like, and yeah. I could have still liked you. Oh. <sighs> Taylor, we will never get a Super Bowl. Uh, we will never, ever. It's, it's always going to be somewhere warm or domed. It's too cold. I'm surprised they even gave it to Minnesota, to be honest with you. Dome. Yeah. I mean, they had it in New York, but that's New York. <laughs> that, yeah. I wish yeah. it would. That would be crazy, honestly. It'd be a crazy, crazy time. Because I always, I always take off the week of the Super Bowl. So I'm like, bro, I'm not working that. That's some bullshit. We're about to die. I mean, I'm a soda vendor, so I was dying. You die those days. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scott said he disagrees about Detroit, that they're going to be second this year in the NFC North. I'm not ready to put them second yet. Uh, I think it's possible they finish third. They are getting better. I will not deny that. They are getting better. Um, they're. I think they're going to be in the five or six win range, which is where I'm thinking Chicago is going to be. Yeah, they'll be fighting with Chicago for third or fourth yep. place. Minnesota will still be better than them. Yeah, Minnesota's still going to be number two. Hot take, but I like that. Um, Detroit is, they're getting better, but Derek Goff, come on. And they're still, they're still super Swiss cheese on defense. Like, there's a lot of holes in their defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Minnesota either, but if I'm, if I'm talking logically. Yeah. Oh, Chicago is terrible. Oh, we shit on Chicago all <laughs> the time, bro. I they're going to be bad. I they're going to be bad. The other day when the Bucks fell to fourth. And the Bulls were fifth. I was like, end the season now. End it now. We'll just play them for four games. Go right <laughs> oh, to the second round. That would be uh <laughs> that would be awesome. I want I want a Bucks Bulls series. Oh my god, that'd be so amazing. Chicago is, is destined for a second round exit. I mean, well, shit, maybe first, depending Depends on, on who they really. play. If they play um, the Celtics, and I don't know if James is watching, he watches a lot. If James is watching and the Bulls play the Celtics, I would take the Celtics. Uh, ever since Williams went down, I don't know, man. It's gonna be I mean, tough. that's fair, but it makes well, it a little yeah. bit more even, in my opinion. Yeah, that kind of that to me, though. to me, that benefits the Bucks more because Williams is a rim protector, so that makes it yeah. easier for Giannis to do what he does. I mean, um, nobody stops Giannis, <laughs> bro. When he did a pull up three pointer and a pull up mid range yesterday, and then he had that other mid range turning towards the baseline, I was like, yeah, it is literally. Over, it is over, dude. Call it. We oh, it's over. Do you hear Nick Wright today? You no. said about the Bucks. Nope. Okay, so he said, "Do you remember what the Lakers did in the bubble in 2020?" He said, "Gentlemen sweep, gentlemen sweep, gentlemen sweep." That means five games, right? Yep. Um, more six. He said, "He said that is what the Bucks are going to do to the Eastern Conference." He said they're going to gentlemen sweep every team. He said they have actual championship DNA. Unlike the team in Brooklyn, they have the actual best player in the league. Unlike Denver, because people are calling Jokic the best player in the league. Giannis is the best. The Bucks are the best team. I'm sorry. It's 
if you watch that game, that team last night, Brook Lopez dunking the ball. He's scoring from the post. He's hitting threes. Drew Holiday does literally everything. <laughs> literally everything. He shoots. He handles the ball. He plays defense. He sets up the offense. He passes the ball well. I didn't even get to our two best players. Chris Middleton and Giannis. Giannis, the best player in the league. He blocks everything. He dunks everything. He's the man. And then Chris Middleton could just get on fire and score 30 and a quarter. We don't know what he's going to do. We are the best team in the league. It's not close. And let's, we don't even have Bobby Portis playing well, dude. Yeah. Oh We're, all right, God. let's start with the Wizards game. The Bucks jumped out to a 12-2 lead. They're moving the ball really well. They had a 20-6 lead at one point. Yeah. Ended up outscoring the Wizards 32 to 13 in the first quarter. Um, Drew, and you know, Jake already mentioned he's doing everything on offense. Drew Holiday, he's he put a stamp on his step back. Like he's yeah. he's got it so like perfectly rhythm timing, like perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. He covers like a solid amount of ground on his step back, too. Yeah. And it's wet every time. Um uh, Going forth, Brooke Lopez is doing a lot defensively. His ability, he's helped the Bucks already so much just defending the pick and roll by not making it easy for guys to get floaters or lobs for dunks. Because yeah. Brooke, he's he's savvy enough to know where to be to not allow the floater with this hand up. But he's also low and long enough to be able to keep like a hand on or near the roller, so he can kind of defend two guys at the same time. That's what the Bucks have been missing with Brook Lopez. Bobby Portis is a high-energy player, but he's not the defender that Brook Lopez is. Brook Lopez is going to help contain those floaters, make them harder, and he's going to keep the the roller from getting those dunks. Um, and and like Scott said, he, he basically just takes up space is, is the other part of it. He's, he's long. Um, Tyler, I don't know why Javon Carter didn't play last night. I've seen rumors that he was hurt, but um, back to the Wizards game. Brooke Lopez had the jump hook going in the second half. The Wizards closed the gap kind of late in this game. Um, outscored the Bucks thirty-six to twenty-two in the fourth quarter. Um, the Bucks led by digit, double digits most of the game. Um, but looking at this game. If Washington hadn't shot 28% from the three-point line, like this could have been a lot closer game. 16 turnovers by the Bucks, 23 points off of those turnovers for the Wizards. So I'm going to basically continue harping on it until the Bucks season is over. Uh, points off turnovers, second chance points, and missed free throws. I call them the fundamental failures. Only two missed free throws in this game, 23 points off turnovers. That's that's just too much. It's too many points off turnovers. And then 13 second chance points. It's okay. Obviously, you don't want to give up any, but that's not a realistic goal. So what did you see from the Bucks and Wizards game that stood out to you? Okay, first of all, I want everybody to know my man over there, his name is Tyler Schickert. Okay? His nickname is Slick. You want to know why it's Slick? This man created his own freaking stat. That is <laughs> Slick as hell, dude. That's my dude. All right. It's Wizards game. Um, no Giannis or Chris. Um, so that so winning, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even say that. I just talked about it like it was another game. Winning this game without two, our two of our best players 
because some people think that Drew might be our second best player. It is what it is, and that that is a great problem to have to have a debate who's your second best player. By the way, um, I saw the Bucks shooting well. That's what I saw. We shot fifty percent balance scoring. Awesome. Almost fifty percent from three. I mean, they were lighting it up. Uh, rebound. They still rebounded well. They had twenty three assists as a team, so they're moving the ball. Drew Holiday's hitting shots. Brooke Lopez was making shots. Bobby had the double-double. I mean, George Hill had 10 points. Pat Content had 16 in this game. I just see a team that's deep, a team full of veterans, a team that knows how to win games. And, yes, the Wizards are bad, but we were down our two best players. So, without Giannis and Chris, I know that we're better than the Wizards, and that makes me feel good about this <laughs> So, you can throw in, you already mentioned Drew, 24 points, 10 assists. Grayson mm-hmm. Allen had 21 points in this game. Yeah, he did. He was balling. He got going his early, and he so helped weird. close the game. I hate his jump shot. It looks so ooh, but it goes in. <laughs> um, Javon Carter at eight points, two rebounds, and four assists in 13 minutes. So anytime yeah. you can get that out, like that's solid. Two for three on threes, so he's still knocking them down. Yeah. Um, Brooke Lopez, 13 points. Bobby Portis, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Sergi Baca, 11 points and five rebounds. Um, <clears throat> this is something... That bears noting. It's worth noting. Drew Holiday said after this game, the Bucks are playing for the best possible seed. So the Bucks are not trying to avoid anybody. The Bucks are focused on them and yep. nobody else. And you know, I brought this up a few times, but it was just like last year. Everybody was like, the Bucks should avoid the Heat. The Heat are a bad matchup for the Bucks. The Bucks were like, okay, we'll take them bring, first round. Bring that smoke <laughs> over here. And what do we do? Swept their ass home. That's what we did. And if we get Brooklyn in the first round, then we get Brooklyn. I've been saying this. We are going to meet with Brooklyn. They are by far and away the second best team in this conference. Yep. We are going to meet them at some point. Why not take care of them round one, baby? Why not? I mean, all it does is all it does is make you better, stronger for whoever you face in the second round. Yeah. And after we beat Brooklyn. And if it's the Bulls, oh, well, then I know we're only going to play four games in the second round. <laughs> Dude, if the Bucks beat Brooklyn in the first round and play the Bulls in the second round, that's going to be ugly for Chicago. All right, I'm about to read them. We can give you a rest day or two in the playoffs. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be nasty. So, after man. that Bucks-Wizards game, Drew Holiday, four out of five of his last games, um, scored 20 points. So then moving into the Grizzlies game, Drew Holiday didn't play. Jake, I want you to say what you said when it came to um, Desmond Bain. So I want you to – I saw you say this in a – I don't know if it was in a group or if it was in a group chat, but um, I want you to say what you said about Desmond Bain. Yeah, I say a lot of things about Desmond Bain, but he's a really, really good player, really young. He's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he has a very soft touch. When you watch his jumper go in, has good arc, good lift on his shot, man. Bro, he, he is a good player, man. He can defend. I don't remember the exact quote you're looking for, but I talked about him after this game a lot. He is a- you, you were What you were saying basically is that he's a very good player, yeah. which I agree with. He's, you know, talking about the Bucks losing to Memphis without John Morant. The Bucks also didn't have Drew Holiday. Obviously, Drew Holiday is not mean the same to the um, to the Bucks as, as Ja does to Memphis. But Memphis... They've had 18 games without John Morant. They're 16 and two, yep. without John Morant. And so that doesn't happen by accident. And what are the Bucks without Drew Holiday? Like four and ten. 
Yes. So you tell me. Yes. Yes, John Moran scores a lot. He does not play that defense. Mm-mm. Sorry. Mm-mm. And the Bucks, the Bucks need Drew Holiday to run their offense, to handle the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, Desmond Bain, very, very possible that he could be the most improved player this year, actually. Yeah, I agree with that, dude. Desmond Bain is – I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but he kind of remind they kind of remind me of when Golden State first started coming up, man. I mean, they were just up and coming. They got a bunch of young talent, and they they got this guy to be a star, this guy to be the star, and Bain can end up being the, the Clay Thompson to Don Morant. That's – that's I mean, that's that's possible. I mean, Ja is not the shooter that Curry is, but Ja does other things. A little bit, a little different um, play style. Cause, yeah. Dude, the Grizzlies dominate the paint. They go yeah. to the paint, and that is their area. Yep. Part of the reason for that is Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, he's a guy, like, if you've been watching the Bucks play the Grizzlies a couple, you know, the last couple of years, Jaron Jackson Jr., he likes to step his game up when the Bucks play. Um, he's probably going to finish third in defensive player of the year voting this year. Good player. Uh, the other guy got off to a really hot start is Dylan Brooks. So if it unsettles you that the Bucks lost this game by double digits, like a, it happens. B no drew holiday. C respect Memphis. They have a really solid team. Dude, Memphis had 54 rebounds and 30 assists in this game. They're really the only difference to me because the Bucks actually shot free throws pretty well this week, which was something that made me pretty happy. I mean, even Giannis last night was making some tough ones on the road. In Philly, that's a tough place to shoot some technical free throws when he got, they got that flagger on, and then at the end of the game to shoot those free throws. But, you know, back on track with the Memphis game here, the Bucks didn't win a single quarter, but the thing that really didn't happen is they didn't get some shots to fall. That's all that really happened. Memphis kind of controlled the pace of this game. They like to get up and down. They're a young team. They have young legs. They are like the third or second youngest team in the league. So they like to get up and down. The Bucks are not one of the youngest teams in the league. So it is what it is. I'm not banging my head against the wall about it. So I want to throw I want to throw a few things out there. Um, Giannis is still succeeding in transition, so he did still have that. But yep. going against Jaron Jackson Jr., he's growing into one of those guys that's going to be a foil to Giannis. Um, that being said, DeAnthony Melton, another guy who bears worth mentioning, um, in yeah. this game, he stretched his streak to four straight games of hitting at least four threes. So Memphis, you know, he's shooting well for them too. Um, before I get to my fundamental failures here, the Bucks were seven for 32 on threes. Yeah. It's only 22%. Not what you're looking for, buddy. That's rough. And then Jake mentioned the free throws weren't terrible. Only five missed free throws, but, but 14 turnovers led to 17 points off of turnovers, 16 offensive rebounds led to 22 second chance points for Memphis adds up to 44 points on fundamental failures by not boxing out, not making free throws and turning the ball over. Yeah, so you spot sense. 44 points in their direction and shoot seven from 32 on three. Yeah. That's that's how you lose game by 25 points without your starting point guard. I'm going to answer Scott. He talk, I was talking about the Bucks. You know, the Grizzlies like to get up and down. And the Bucks do like to get up and down. They like to play at a high pace too. But the Grizzlies shot nine more shots 
which made five, they shot five more threes, and they made six more threes. So that is a huge difference in that pace. You're getting nine more shot attempts. That also can equate to offensive rebounds. But yep. if you get up and shoot a shot real quick, say you have a, a three on two, that could lead to an offensive rebound. You know, that's, that's stuff that people have to take into consideration as too. Yep, bad fundamentals. That's what it is. And Steve, it's not. This is the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, and the Cavaliers. They are not bottom feeder teams anymore. No, they are all playoff teams now. The Cavs got to get healthy. They just lost a couple of their big men, but they should yeah. be back by uh, by playoff time. And yep. the Timberwolves just—I don't think they have enough sh- enough uh, like good good enough. The, the Timberwolves aren't ready to be contenders yet, but they are—they're a playoff team. Yeah. If they get They're... some more consistent guard play, they could be real good. Yeah. So, this game, Javon Carter still knocking down jump shots. Chris Middleton had one of his off-shooting nights. He was 5 for 16. Um, did still add 5 points, or uh, 5 assists and 5 rebounds. Um, Grayson Allen a little bit quieter after this one. <clears throat> after having the 21 points. Bobby Portis. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about Bobby Portis, but this game is part of why... Um, Two for 13, one for four on threes, 11 points or 11 rebounds, seven points. Um, he's had a rough month of March. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but the Bucks are doing better at the free throw line, which is encouraging. Still like to see the turnover numbers come down and, and start limiting some opposing offensive rebounds. Um, just doing those things that gives your opponents extra possessions. That's, that's just what you can't do in the playoffs. You've got to hold teams to one and done and take care of the ball. The game slows down in the playoffs. We're going to start saying that a lot. All right. So I did mention that points off turnovers and offensive rebounds, those were 39 of the 44 fundamental failure points, as I call them, for points off turnovers and second chance points. The Bucks only managed 20. Seven second chance points off of 14 offensive rebounds is pretty inefficient and then 13 points off of eight memphis turnovers so points off turnovers and second chance points the bucks were outscored 39 to 20 in that area as well so that game you chalk it up as you lost to a good team in a game you didn't play well and didn't have your starting point guard on to the 76ers yep oh you want me to start Start. Let's do it. This is going to be a fun one. I'm excited to talk about this oh. one. This is going to be fun. I'm glad we get to end on a high note. I'll tell you what. I respect Joel Embiid's game. Joel Embiid is a highly skilled big man for his size. Has great touch. He, he made some tough jumpers last night, too. He had one when he was falling over at the free throw line. Like He's a good player. Say so he hit a three late to make it a one-point game. Yep. But I will tell you this. The difference between him and Giannis... Giannis has a big old set of nuts. That, that is plain and simple, the best way I could put it, man. Um, yeah, Giannis is a freaking grown man. Dude, the three blocks, his block at the end of the game, he had 40 points. I mean, dude, this guy is just incredible. Chris Middleton had 22, 9, and 7. That's a complete game. People, <laughs> yeah. talk, people talk about how he isn't a complete player. He played some good defense at the end. He's not uh, a good passer. Boom, seven assists. Right. Uh, Drew, closer Drew Holiday was back. Hit two, hit both of his three-pointers in, in the second half. Both in the fourth quarter, I, I believe, actually. Am I right on that? Both in the fourth quarter? I don't remember. 
I don't know, because um, I just have big three alive and well in the fourth quarter, doing it all in all caps. Yeah, they play defense. They hit big shots. They make the right passes. I mean, when all three play, we are 33-9. and nine. I think we're going to be all right. Um, Brooke Lopez, 17 points, dude. Scoring in the post, hitting threes. I mean, being just straight up being physical with Embiid, making Embiid work. I mean, Embiid was tired after the game. I'll tell you that right now. Um, because he was having a lot of stuff uh, thrown at him. And since Brooke Lopez has come back, the Bucks are 5-2. and two. So, you yep. add those two win percentages together, I mean, the Bucks are going to be all right, man. Uh, they shot well. Oh, dude. The one thing, I mean, and, and Harden had a pretty good game. He was pretty efficient. But yep. at the end of the game, and this is exactly why they are going to lose in the playoffs, because that became a playoff atmosphere in that building. You were in your house, and he goes to the freaking lane and tries to flop against three people and just throws up a dud, and it's like, James, that right there, and when they tried to call the pick for him, and uh, we actually fought over the pick, and it became a one-on-one situation. He shot that step back. I've seen this so many times in his career. It's like you get that shot every time. Bro, it's, the Sixers are no threat to the Bucks. at the end of the day. That's what i found out they had i mean both teams had but it's it's just not close in my opinion it's just not close to me my takeaway as far as a sixers bucks potential series is concerned is if either harden or mb doesn't even have to be both if either one of them are in trouble philly's in trouble yeah if either one of them get in foul trouble they are in trouble oh yeah if the bucks and 76 are to play a, a series against each other those two are going to be playing 45 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to that, like, that's where the Bucks' depth is going to is gonna show, is playoff time. Um, you know, you're not going to see guys, you know, coming off the bench playing 22, 25 minutes, but bench depth is, it's a factor. And I still, I still firmly believe that the Bucks are the deepest team in the NBA. Also the Suns. And I mean, the Suns are up there for sure. But um, the second half is really where this game gets going, even though in the first half, Giannis was doing everything up to and including dunking on Joel Embiid. So, you know, Giannis had a poster and a game-winning block against Embiid. But the Bucks, you know, Scott, to your point here, two points is a close game. Bucks got outscored 37-24 to in the second quarter. But that ended up being the only quarter that the Bucks didn't win. So, Budenholzer, he's basically just doing a test run, starting Wesley Matthews instead of Grayson Allen for defensive purposes. Um, basically, everybody that's on the Bucks is bought in. They're all in, and they know what they're doing is going to benefit the team, and that's what they're focused on. Bobby Portis did the exact same thing when Brooke Lopez got put back into the starting lineup. Bobby Portis is here to win. That's why he stayed for... 5 million instead of taking 10 somewhere else. Guys are here to win. So Grayson Allen taking a backseat to Wesley Matthews in the starting lineup. Grayson Allen stay came in and gave 10 points off the bench. Anytime you can get 10 points off the bench, always going to help. So I want to pick this game up in the end of the third quarter. That's where this game started to really get exciting. 
right after Danny Green hit a three-pointer that made this game 85-72. to 72. Giannis scored seven straight points by himself, including the step back that Jake was talking about, really forcing the issue. Paul Millsap has no, no chance to guard Giannis at all. He's too old, too slow. Um, not a chance. I have a chance as him to guard Giannis. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, Paul Millsap could not handle it. Um, Tyler, I'm fine. I'm fine with Wesley Matthews starting. I mean, I personally, I've recognized that he's a, a strong defender. He gives tons of effort mm-hmm. on the defensive end. He was actually in my power pair last week because of his three-point shooting in addition to his defense. Oh. But starting in the fourth quarter, Giannis continuing his run um, ended up being a 15 to six Giannis to 76ers run by the end of it. Um, And I want to address something because I've seen a lot of people say that Giannis doesn't deserve defensive player of the year because he doesn't switch on to guards. Last night he got switched on to Milton, tried to get past him, couldn't get past him, couldn't shake Giannis and then tried to shoot a jump shot and Giannis blocked it. Giannis can defend one through five. We don't just say that because we think it. We say it because it's true. And he showed it last night. All right. So then Giannis comes out um, after Grayson Allen and Chris Middleton both get to the basket and get some close shots. Um, Giannis comes out. Chris Middleton hits a three, gives the Bucks the lead. <laughs> Seven straight possessions after Middleton gives the Bucks the 94-93 lead. Seven straight possessions, the lead changed. (laughs) So, then after that, all big three the rest of the night. 31 of the Bucks' 37 points in the fourth quarter came from the big three. That is just disgusting. That is just straight up disgusting. You're not stopping us. That is dominance. Yeah. So, the Bucks outscored Philadelphia by 12 points in the second half after being outscored by 13 in the second quarter. And then, you know, Giannis, Drew, Middleton closing. Um, the only thing I didn't like was the pass that Drew Holiday tried to make from a couple steps behind the three-point line to Brooke Lopez near the backboard. When you're up less than a minute left, that it, you just don't need to risk that. That's the only thing I had to complain about. And that's kind of a nitpicky thing. So, other than that, you get to Giannis, 40 points. He's now only 39 shy of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Bucks' all-time leader in points. That's personally when I think Giannis becomes the greatest Buck of all time is when he passes Kareem for points. Um, 40 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 blocks. Jake already mentioned Middleton, the 22 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Drew Holiday, 18 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. Those... <laughs> <laughs> those those three <laughs> co- combined for 80 points 31 rebounds 23 assists three steals four blocks and only six turnovers <laughs> 23 assists and six turnovers between those three that's disgusting i mean oh we got said it that's that's exactly what that is that is a statement game. That's and exactly what a, that is. We got another one tomorrow night. We got another yep. one tomorrow night because Kyrie can play home games now, right? All right, let's smack them right in their shit. That's exactly how I feel going into tomorrow night. Let's smack them right in their freaking mouth, man. I love that Mike Tyson saying where everybody has a 
has a, a game plan to get punched in the mouth. The, yep. Bucks, the Bucks are the people that punch first, and they punch back. Okay, that's why I love this team. Um, yeah, dude, that's – man, I didn't even realize the turnovers. That's that is that's Aaron Rodgers-esque right there, baby. So, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, you already mentioned the, the 17 points that he added. Four for nine on threes. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, more to come from Brooke Lopez. Another quiet ooh. night from Bobby Portis. He's really struggling in March. Hopefully that's something he can kind of get – you know, he can get right before the end of the season. Um Pat Connaughton, kind of quiet night. And then Serge Ibaka, um, he might not have been 100%. He also sat out the the Memphis Grizzlies game with a non-COVID-related illness. So Serge Ibaka might just not have been 100% last night. That's kind of a quiet he, night from him. He um, that Memphis game. Yeah, the Bucks are now 11-4 and four through the All-Star from since – through from since I'll just say all the words since the all-star break <laughs> 11 and four when they had the hardest schedule remaining the bucks are taking care of business yeah we're getting in so, playoff mode and the bucks took care of the fundamentals in this game Ooh. seven missed free throws kind of sucks only 11 points allowed off of turnovers so I mentioned those six turnovers by the big three only 11 points off turnovers only gave up nine second chance points. There you go. Twenty-seven points on the fundamental failures. That's a far cry from the forty-four that they gave up to Memphis. And you know, in a game where they only made one more field goal, only made two more free throws, and Philly made two extra threes, taking care of the fundamentals. That's how you win. That's how you show you're the better team. Yeah. I was going to point that out, too. We almost had the same exact number of field goal makes and takes. That was incredible. It was a very close game. Um, in Milwaukee, I do not think it would be a close game. <laughs> I agree. All right. I don't think the second quarter would have gotten away from him quite as badly as it no. did in Milwaukee. All right. So, looking ahead, we already mentioned tomorrow night is Brooklyn. Um, Kyrie, there's still no Ben Simmons. So, I saw a couple people saying in the comments, too, chemistry is a factor. Yeah. Ben Simmons is – as, I, don't, I don't think Ben Simmons has played a single game with Brooklyn yet. He hasn't played a single game all year. He hasn't played a game that, in almost that's fair. a year. And you expect almost an entire like calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and you expect him to be ready to go for the playoffs. Yeah, right. And there's no continuity there. You don't know who the point guard is going to be. He's just going to and guard Giannis. <laughs> and it's probably not going to go well for him coming off of injury and not being fully conditioned. Yeah, and he's scared in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. Now you got a seven foot guy running at you, and he jumps forty inches in the air. He can go full court in five seconds. Dude, that you shared that, and I still like it's still baffling to me. Like one dribble from half court, and then he just flies, dude. Wham! I'm like, bro, what I wouldn't pay to watch a practice and watch him go crazy in practice. Right, nuts. So then, um, so yeah, Ben Simmons still isn't playing. They don't have a timetable for him yet. Um. Then Friday night, second of a back-to-back. Don't be surprised if anybody sits out. Literally anybody sits out. Yeah, um, yeah. literally yeah. anybody. If anybody sits out, I don't understand why they would do a back-to-back to play this season anyway. I don't know. <laughs> um, especially for yeah. Well, never mind. Um, that being said, it is against the Clippers. Paul George is back for the Clippers. Um, he led the Clippers back from being down 25 points to the Jazz last night. Um, so, um, 
you know, it's not going to be quite as easy of a game as it would have been if they hadn't had Paul George, but Paul George is back. And then Sunday, um, the Bucks play the Mavericks back at home. Um, actually, they're at home on Friday night, but they're also home on Sunday. They play Luka and company. They're actually, the Mavericks are one of the best teams in the NBA taking care of the ball. Um, defensively. You could probably credit Jason Kidd for the former of those two things, for taking care of the ball. Jason Kidd was good at that when he was a player. And then Tuesday, we got another chance to put another loss on the Bulls, make them 0-17 against top three seeds in each conference. Um, they're only at half a game ahead of Toronto right now. I know, dude. They're going to fall right into that playing game, bro. <laughs> so got another chance to pin another loss on Chicago would be entertaining. Dude, I've been telling people this, and nobody's believing me. But hear me out. Say Chicago falls to that seventh spot, right? And they play Brooklyn. If they lose to Brooklyn, which they will, they will then play the winner of the 9-10 for the eight seed. If Bucks get the one seed, guess what, baby? <laughs> I've been telling people, I'm like, I'm going to speak it into existence. Oh, uh, a Bucks one seed, Bulls eight seed play-in winner. Come here. I mean, I oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it would remind me of what 2015 when the Bucks got beat by like 50. Yeah. After they bad. yeah. So we can get we can get some revenge for that and have a Bucks Bulls playoff series where we just murder them every game. Yeah, we just poop on them every game. That'd be All right. Um, so guys missed some games this week. So I'm interested to hear who your power pair is gonna be. So I have two guys, you have two guys. Hit me with your first one, and if it's not one of mine, I'll do one of mine then. All right, my first one is uh, one of the most important players of our team. I went kind of basic this week, but it's Drew Holiday. I mean, I couldn't deny him. He had he averaged 21, five and a half rebounds and 10 assists. I mean, the guy is shooting at a high clip. He makes layups. He takes centers off the dribble. He does this step back three-pointer. He's a closer. Shooting behind the backboard. Exactly. He shoots over the backboard, and then he clamps you on the other end of the court. I mean, what doesn't Drew Holiday do? He, It's hard for me to say this. Because Giannis is clearly my favorite player. Because how can Giannis not be your favorite player? He's like the greatest human of all time. And he's an NBA superstar. But if we didn't have Giannis, it'd be far and away Drew Holiday. Easily. All right. So you went you went basic. I went a little outside the box. I tried to get guys because um, Giannis missed a game. Middleton missed a game. Drew missed a game. So I went with two outside the box guys. My first one is Brooke Lopez. So I put Brooke Lopez because in the three games, he averaged 13.3. His shooting, his three-point shooting improved every single game, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then looking at his minutes, he had 28 minutes in the Wizards game, just under 22 minutes in the Wizards game, and then 29 minutes in the 76ers game. That signals to me that he's ready for playoff minutes. So Brooke Lopez, is he's back. He's ready to go and and taking care of business at the three-point line returning to his Splash Mountain form. So, Brooke Lopez is my first of two for the power pair. And he's back to doing this. <laughs> so, baby. Um, my second one is Giannis. Dude, after last night, I literally couldn't keep him off of this. He basically took over the entire second half, in my opinion. Yeah. Controlled the pace. He was scoring at will. He was – when he started going, he scored those seven straight that you mentioned. It was kind of like the light bulb and the whole team's head was like, go time, baby. And yep. then it was follow the leader. All, all hands on deck. Yeah. Um, as long as Giannis is the leader of this Milwaukee Bucks team, we're going to win a lot of game games. <laughs> so 
Giannis, he averaged 35, 12 and a half, and 5. That's ridiculous. What else can I say about the guy? He's going to pass Kareem by Friday night. Yeah, he will. Well, remember, he might not play Friday. Yeah. If if he doesn't do it against Brooklyn and he sits out, I kind of hope that they hold him out and he does it on national television because that Mavericks game is on ABC at noon. Yep. So that would be awesome if he did it on national television and kind of get kind of give him some love. Could help his MVP stuff. You know? Exactly. Yep. Yep. All right. So my other one, I went with a guy. His name, his initials are also GA. I went with Grayson Allen. Okay. So I wanted to. I I just want to kind of give some credit to some guys that don't always get credit. So I want to give Grayson Allen some credit. He averaged twelve point seven, three point seven rebounds, and he was eight of fourteen on threes in the last three games. So 57% from the three-point line last week. So I wanted to give Grayson Allen a little bit of credit. Um, And, you know, it takes – for a guy that people think is out trying to injure people on person, it takes a maturity to recognize that being taken out of the starting lineup for, you know, for even a defensive purpose, it takes maturity to handle that. Mm -hmm. So I want to give Grayson Allen a little bit of credit for that too, um, in addition to his solid play. I agree. Grayson fits in perfectly with this team, man. We've been talking about it all year. He doesn't have to shoot a lot. He's going to make a couple threes. He had a one really, really nice drive to the rim against the Sixers last night where he jump-stopped and got a layup, took a guy off the dribble. It's like Grayson is almost everything that you need at that two-guard spot with how this Bucks team is constructed, you know? Yep. All right. So the one through four seeds in the East are separated by a game and a half. So uh-huh. it's going to stay murky. Um so we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, we play the Celtics after the Bulls, too. So Yep. So, I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. We're getting down to it where it's going to be playoffs soon, and and that's what we're looking forward to. So I don't know if you have anything else, but we're going to be heavy in bucks, and we're going to be getting real heavy into draft prep. And then Brewers start in a little over a week also. Yeah, so it's it's fear the beer. It's uh, fear yeah. the deer. It's uh, it's draft prep season, baby. You know we love that. So, yeah, man, I'm gonna we're gonna have back to back days of watching the Bucks. So that's always good. I love when they play on my off days because then I could sit down and watch the whole damn game. <laughs> right. Um, today I had to like rewatch the the replay. They play at between one and three o'clock. So I I did get to watch the whole. If game, you can you access Bally Sports, I can download the app. They're on the app. Yeah, but it's tough when I'm at work, but I'm <laughs> pulling pallets. <laughs> oh, okay. But, but I, I I just rewatch it on Wednesday afternoon, or they they play it at like midnight too, from like eleven to one. Well, I'm whatever. saying you can watch the replay on demand. Oh yeah, you're right. Do that. I mean, I watch it from one to three, so that's usually I usually wrap up my notes around one o'clock, and I just watch the replay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have nothing else, I will see you next week. No, nothing else, man. Let's go. All right. Let's start doing draft prep. It's exciting. One of our favorite times of the year. All right, buddy. Hey, take All right. Care. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.